Hi, my name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Molly Keck. And we are with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. All right. Well, this week on Bugs by the Yard, we are talking some of the insects that I think probably enlist fear in most people. And those are spiders, but specifically venomous spiders, because what will probably surprise everybody is that most spiders that you come across in your yard and even in your house are totally harmless to you. And there are only really two types of spiders in the state of Texas that are considered medically harmful to humans. And those are the widow spiders and the recluse spiders. So I'm saying widow spider and recluse spider, but most people are probably thinking black widow or brown recluse, but that actually there's many species of widow spiders. There's a brown widow, the Southern black widow. What are the other common names for them? We have, I think, Southern, Western, and Northern widows in Texas. Naturally, those are native And then we also have brown widows that are naturalized. I mean, they're here and not going away, (laughs) but they weren't originally here. They were brought over. Yeah. And they're pretty cool looking spiders. They're actually, I think they're really pretty. Yeah. I think they're pretty. I kind of get excited when I see one of those because I feel like you don't see them often and they're just very unique looking. And then the recluse spiders, there's brown recluse. There's, I don't know what the common names are for some of those guys, but brown recluse is what most people think of. So there's actually, I think, four species that we have in Texas. And of course, there, there's one in Big Bend because Big, Bend, Big Bend's going to have everything pretty much. Of course. Um, there's the Texas recluse, which is from central and south Texas. And then there's a couple other species that don't really have a common name that are in just like random locations across the state. But the Texas recluse, which is Loxoscales devia, they all look the same pretty much. I mean, so that's why we, that's why when we talk about these, we're not saying brown recluse, it's recluse spiders or widow spiders or something like that, because they all do kind of the same thing. It's just we're grouping them into widow and recluse, even though there are various species in there. The widow spiders, the brown widow, of course, is going to be brown in color. Mm-hmm. Their, their body's about an inch in length. They have a really bulbous fat abdomen and they're pretty shiny um, spiders. To me, they just have a very quintessential look like you. If you know what a widow spider looks like, you always remember it. And they just really look like that. So big fat abdomen. They have pretty long legs in relation to their body. Their, their abdomen is like the most obvious part of their body because their little cephalothorax is, is much smaller than their abdomen is. The black ones are really shiny, pretty black, and they're not a blue black or a purpley black. They are a true, true black color to me, at least. Yeah, I agree. And on their bellies, on their, on the underside of their abdomen, brown or the black colored, uh, widow spiders, males and females will all have a red or an orange colored hourglass on their belly and juveniles and the juveniles, all of them do. They're born that way. And they can sometimes have like other markings, like little slashes above or below that. And that might vary between males and females, even of the same species, but they have that hourglass or the two triangles that are touching. And what's nice is that she, they hang in their webs upside down. So you see the hourglass pretty easily. They're not 
they're not often scuttling away from their webbing. They're usually staying close to where their, their nest is. That's why I always cringe. And this, this is just me like being persnickety, but when I see a picture like that somebody's drawn, especially if it's like a tattoo on somebody and I'm just like, <laughs> and they have the the widow spider and the hourglasses on the top side of the abdomen. And I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. That's not yeah. how that's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And yeah, especially if it's a tattoo, it's stuck on you wrong forever and ever and ever. <laughs> the males and juveniles are smaller than the females are because like with anything in nature and with most animals, females are larger because they have to have more fat in order to produce more eggs or to nourish the offspring. So she's generally bigger. And that's the case with these spiders. Also only the females are actually venomous and the juveniles are venomous if it's a female, but the males are not, but how do you know if it's a male or female? So don't go sticking your hand in their web or anything like that. Just be safe and don't, don't touch it. Have you seen the, the juveniles that it's like, they're not necessarily that shiny black yet. It's like, they're more of a, almost like a purpley plum color. And I have, they have, I've seen some and they have like red, reddish orange, like spots that are lined in white on their back. And they're very, very pretty. It's just one of those things that I'm like, wow, I could just stare at these. (laughs) I had a cool thing happen. Somebody had given our wildlife guy a skull that he had like a cow skull or something. Right. So it was a real skull. And just like in the movies, we had, we had it in a box and out of the skull came a <gasps> black widow spider, like out of the eye hole. Oh. I mean, I wish I'd had a camera and she had an egg sack inside the skull too. So we put her in a jar and she was pretty cranky. I've never black widows to me are usually, or widow spiders are usually a little more mm-hmm. chill, but she was pretty feisty. So we put her in a jar with her egg sack and then COVID happened and we forgot about it. No one went back to the office, you know, it was abandoned and um, the, the sack emptied. And you saw a few molts of them, but then apparently one of them ate all everyone else because all that was left was one big fat baby. Yeah, I I found like a couple years ago, I found all of these brown widows, and it was really funny because it was at a pest control company. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in their like storage area, and I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta collect these, and so I'm collecting, and I had probably like six of them, and they all had babies and egg sacs and all that stuff, and everybody's like, well, of course, you know, everyone in my office is panicking. Like, well, what are you going to do with all these babies? And I'm like, well, they'll eat each other. So it's fine. I mean, survival of the fittest and all. So I'm not going to have, you know, 300 widow (laughs) spiders. Like, don't worry about it. It's all good. They take care of themselves. Exactly. They don't care that they're siblings either. No food is food, which then brings up another, um, topic that a lot of people ask about is do you hear like, it's a black widow. She eats the, she's called a widow because she eats the male after she mates with her, but that isn't necessarily always the case, is it? No. Well, it's that whole, if you have them in a breeding container where they can't escape, then yes, it's probably going to happen because she's going to need food and protein to produce those babies and eggs and everything. And so if they're in a small space stuck together, she will probably eat the male. But if they're in nature, I'm going to say that doesn't always happen. It can sometimes. It all depends, I guess, on how fast the male is. If you yeah. can get away from her, then, you know, it's 
good to go. Exactly. I, I bet you it was some uh, naturalist or scientist or somebody that put widow spiders together in cages and said, oh, she eats them every time. And that's how that probably got started hundreds of years ago, maybe even, but you know, in real life, he does his job and he probably scuttles away from her. <laughs> Have you seen brown widow egg sacs? I haven't. Compared to like the regular ones. Oh, they're so cool. So the regular like black widow and Northern widow and all, all the black widows that we have, like black colored widows mm-hmm. that we have in Texas, their egg sacs are just kind of like a roundish oval sack with like a smooth kind of covering, but the brown widows, they actually have these little spiky things. They almost look like little sand burrs. Yeah. And they've got little spiky things coming off. So if you see an egg sac that looks like that, that is a brown widow egg sac. And so, yeah. And there can be up to 900, nine, 900 babies that's insane. in an egg sac, which that's insane. <laughs> that's a huge amount of offspring. I wonder what is it that allows that very, you know, that huge variation, 25 or so to 900 eggs, like is it food? Is it, was it like the time they took to mate? I I imagine it's probably a a number of things. Maybe if she got the mail, then she can get 900 out of it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So after she's laid that egg sac and she will generally lay that egg sac in her webbing in her nest. And we should talk about what that looks like. So the, the, Widow spiders will let food come to them and they'll trap them in their webs and their webs look like you just took a cotton ball and made a mess, or you got the, the webbing from uh, Halloween supply stores that you put all over your furniture and stuff. It's just a mess. It's not a very, it's not an orb. It's, there's no symmetry to it. Um, but they'll lay that little egg sac and then, um, they'll usually hatch in about 20 days, a month or so, depending on if it's warmer, it's going to be quicker. If it's cool, it's going to be um, a little bit slower. Things slow down a little bit for them. And the babies are called spiderlings. Baby spiders are called spiderlings. And so they'll stay, stay close to mom for a few days where they will, like we mentioned, eat their babies and sisters so that they can get food unless there's little bits of food available for them that was trapped inside of the, or inside of the webbing. And then they do what's called ballooning where they will spin a little bit of silk up into the air and they'll let the wind take them. So when I think about that, to me, that makes sense because I generally think of widow spiders as being found outdoors versus indoors quite as much. They can be found indoors, but to me, they're more common outside. And so widow spiders will spread themselves. So they they'll be found in more places, but they're less condensed. And we talk about recluse spiders. We'll talk about how many you can find in one spot because they don't do this ballooning pattern. They just stay where they were born. They don't leave mom and dad or leave mom. They they hunker down. They hunker down. Yeah, exactly. They stay put. They're they're the kid living in the basement. Exactly. Literally, (laughs) because they like basements. (laughs) And then they balloon and they grow and they mate themselves and start the whole little cycle all over again and continue to keep spreading all over the place. And I always tell people like, you know, if you're wondering if they're where widow spiders are found, I bet you, you passed a several of them from your house to your car in the morning, or when you parked your car at work and walked in They're they're all over the place. They just don't want to be seen. So they're very, very common just because you happen across one doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, they're all over the place and I need to nuke this house. Yeah. And they're, they're shy. They don't like being out in open spaces. They like to be in protected areas. I mean, I usually, you know, termite bait stations, they, mm-hmm. they love those. Not that like normal humans are going to be looking in termite bait stations, 
but um, like water meter boxes or downspouts a lot of times, or if you have like real thick um, shrubbery or vegetation or something, they'll be in there. So if you're pruning that, wear gloves, making sure that you're not reaching in to grab something. I've even seen them in like a barbecue pit that they hadn't been used in early. You open it up and it's like, okay, we're going to close this and we're going to start this up (laughs) and we'll open it back up once those are gone. Once we burn them off. Or I see them a lot of times if you have a a boat or a car that you've got covered, they like to get underneath that cover because you don't move it very often. Right. Yeah. But they like that and closets and kind of like scorpions where you're kind of afraid to go. You think something might jump out at you, then that's probably where they're going to be hanging out. But they are also not, they're not searching for you to attack you and bite. Exactly. In fact, most people are bitten. When you step into shoes, you rub up against them, you touch them first and that's their reaction to you. They're yeah, not you're, you. you're carrying in firewood without gloves and you reach into the pile and they get you get nailed. And yeah. I don't know that there's a true study on this, but I would say probably by and large, most people that are bitten by a, a widow spider probably have no reaction at all. Maybe don't even realize that they were bitten. They might say, oh, that hurt. They might feel the actual bite, but don't, but don't actually get enough venom or react to that venom. But I hear all the time, oh, I've, you know, they're so deadly. Once you get bitten by one, you have to make it to the doctor within five minutes. I don't know why everyone gives that. Oh, five minutes. Dang. I hear that all the time. Why five minutes? You know, (laughs) who has a doctor within five minutes, unless you are one. Yeah. Unless you have one living in your house. (laughs) So they, when they bite, it's because you provoked them to bite you in some way, whether it was on purpose or on accident. And it's a neurotoxin. And I've always heard that it is. It is 15 times more deadly than a rattlesnake bite, but because you get so little of that, a rattlesnake bites. So it affects the nervous system. And I don't know if you've heard this too, but it'll affect like you'll have your heart will be just beating out of your chest. You have a hard time breathing. And I've heard that you'll get large muscle pain. So like in your, wherever you have big muscles, like your back, your stomach and your, your legs, your, your thighs, How cramping, you know, it's, you know, your body's not acting right. So you feel the need to go to the doctor. It's not Mm -hmm. like. Oh, you, you don't always have to go as soon as you're bitten by one. Your body is doing something not, not normal. Right. Yeah. And hopefully if your body, if, you know, if your heart rate starts to increase or decrease or you're <laughs> having difficulties breathing yeah. or, you know, massive muscle cramps in your body, hopefully the, that would signal to you to go to the doctor as soon as you can, um, regardless <laughs> of whether you got bitten by a spider or not. Who knows, but all right. So what about recluse spiders, Molly? So recluse spiders are a little bit different from widow spiders. These guys are to me, very dainty spiders. They're only about the size of a quarter, even with their legs outstretched. If you pull them further, they'd go past the quarter, but you know, at rest, they're only about the size of a quarter. Um, they are Brown and up close, they're kind of furry but I wouldn't try to get that close to them. They have a uh, fiddle or a violin on their cephalothorax, but again, it's, it's not quite so easy to see. So I would kill it or put it in a jar and then get up close to it. I wouldn't put your face right there. And the real thing that differentiates the recluse spiders from other species of spiders, because there are lots of spiders that look to have a design on their cephalothorax is that underneath a, a lens or something to enlarge them, they only have six eyes and most spiders have eight 
and they're arranged in three pairs. So they kind of like a three paired half moon. And that's the, that is the best way to differentiate them. It's how you tell if it's an, if it's a juvenile when they don't have that pattern yet. So if you think that you've got them collect a few of them and put them in a jar or baggie very carefully and take it to somebody or get a good hand lens or a microscope and see if you can see that it's, it's something I think even a non-entomologist would be able to see. Yeah. And, and if you're totally creeped out by spiders or paranoid about getting near a recluse spider of some sort, you can passively trap them, put out like little sticky traps in hidden locations. So underneath couches or in closets or whatever, and passively trap the spiders on those and you can look at them then. Yes. And so recluse spiders are much more common in my opinion, to be found indoors. They, but they are reclusive. They like to hide away from you. So it is the most cluttered undisturbed spot in your house. It's underneath the closet, under your stairs or up in your attic or in your basement or underneath, you know, even if they're all over the place and they're in your, in your living room, they're going to be behind bookshelves and underneath the couch places where you don't go often vacuum or move around and outdoors. It's kind of the same places that you would find the widow spiders, scorpions, other centipedes, other creepy crawlies, undisturbed, dark, damp, creepy places. The recluse spiders, because they don't make a web, they're active hunters. So they're going to be on the run during the eve during the evenings. They're more nocturnal. And so that's why the sticky traps and things that you can place out are going to catch them because they hopefully will crawl across it. And those are always good monitoring tools to figure out what places you find more of the recluse spiders. And unfortunately they, like we said, they just hunker down. They don't balloon. So once that egg sac catches, then they stay put and they live with mom and dad and brothers and sisters because they're so reclusive. Sometimes you don't realize you have a big problem until you have a really big problem and they are manageable. It just takes some patience and some cleaning and some really looking around to figure out where, where are the best places to treat for them? So they, well, they do have a mating season usually in the like late spring to the summertime, April to July. And so they might be more active in your home around that time because they're looking for mates. But I tend to notice that I get more calls for like schools and I guess for homes as well around the holidays. That's when people notice them. And I think it's because if you think of a wreath or a a Christmas tree that's packed in a box, that's like a haven. It's a mansion for those recluse spiders. It's not often used. It's nice and dark in there. There's all sorts of hiding places. And I think that it's when people bring down those decorations from their attic that they start to allow those recluse spiders to kind of scuttle and move around. So if you think that you've got them in your attic, if that happens year after year, I always suggest on a hot, sunny day, lay that stuff in the lawn and maybe they'll go away in the lawn, right? And that way you're not letting them loose inside of your living room. And also maybe try storing if you have the decorations and you have the capability in like sealed kind of plastic bins that are really tight that those spiders can't get up in there. And then again, when you're getting that stuff out, wear, wear gloves just in case if you're grabbing something that has a spider, you don't get bitten. And the, the recluse bite is different than a widow's bite and it's a cytotoxin. I, in at least in the anecdotal stories I have heard from people who have been bitten by them, it sure seems like it is the location that you're bitten where a reaction could be worse than others. 
So since it's necrotic on tissue, if you're bitten, if you sit on one, right, you got a lot of, you got a lot of cushion there on your rear end. It's probably going to be a little bit more necrotic there than maybe like on your collarbone or somewhere where there's not a whole lot of flesh. And then I also think it's your allergy level, how much venom you get, just your overall health as well. You're not necessarily going to have a big gaping hole in your skin. Some people just have a little blister that forms and then it heals, but it can many, many days and even longer after a bite can still be necrotic. And in that case, you would go to a doctor and figure out how to take care of that yourself. Yeah. Again, this, this isn't something just like the widow spiders. It's not something where you need to panic about the spider bite. It's one of those that you need to watch and monitor what's going on. And I mean, again, people can have more of a severe reaction where they can have, you know, itching and vomiting and, you know, dizziness and all that good stuff. And, you know, if that, again, if that happens, hopefully you would know to go to the doctor anyway, regardless of whether you're bitten by a spider or not, but it could be more serious. It just really depends on your body chemistry and, you know, all those other factors. I know that if you Google, (laughs) if you do a Google search about brown recluse bite, you're going to see some really nasty, disgusting pictures. Yeah. But from what I've looked at and researched, there are no confirmed deaths, none from a recluse spider. I mean, it may cause some necrosis, but it's not going to kill you. Scarring. Yeah. And I knew a a woman at a restaurant that we started to go to when we were kids who was bitten by a brown recluse or a recluse spider on one of her fingers. And I can't remember which one it was, but they actually had to, had to amputate it. So she was missing the, like the first two joints. It was like down to her knuckle. I think it can be very disfiguring, but I don't think it's going to be deadly. And then we're, we're walking a fine line, right? We're trying to tell people don't be worried, but if you, if something's wrong, go to the doctor. Right. So we're just trying to don't panic, but also understand the risk. Right. Yeah. Don't panic, which I mean, that's kind of a given for anything. Right. (laughs) And recluse spiders love clutter too. So reduce your clutter. If you don't want to have recluse spiders outside it's widow spiders, right? They are finding their own hiding places. And if you don't want them, get rid of firewood maybe, but inside it's just clean, clear things out, move things around often, make it so they're not happy. They're unable to reproduce and just grow exponentially, but they love clutter. So the most cluttered locations are always going to be a haven for those recluse spiders. Usually when I find recluse outdoors, it's under things that are stacked and it's usually like flat things. Like if they have, um, plywood or lumber or something that it's stacked up. Cause it's that like, yeah, elongated flattened space. And these are, I mean, these aren't boopy spiders, like widow spiders. These yeah. are like flat kind of to the ground type spiders. And so they can squeeze into those little cracks and crevices. And so it's usually in those types of areas, like that are kind of tight squeeze almost. Well, you know, you can reduce clutter and do things like that. But if you, if you have an infestation of recluse in your home, or even if it's widows in your home, it's probably good to get a, a, get in touch with a pest management professional who has products that are the right formulation and, and 
I don't want to say consistency, but the right types of pesticides that are best for spiders that maybe are a little bit slow release. They also know where to apply these things. I always think sometimes in the long run, if you try to do it yourself, you end up spending more money than if you just called someone to come out and do it right the very first time. And it's a, you know, it's a medical concern. So I think it's well worth the cost. And you can definitely help them by, like Molly said, reducing clutter. And that's not just inside the house. I mean, a lot of people have things like lumber stacked up. And if you're doing firewood in your yard or you have to have those things, don't put it right up against the house, put them away from the structure. That way those spiders aren't capable of getting into your area. And then when you are getting things like firewood or moving plants around or whatever, wear gloves to protect your hands or you know, long sleeves or whatnot. What about bug bombs? Do you think that those foggers that you can get at the store would get rid of all your recluses and your widows in your house? I don't think that those foggers do much of anything for anything. I don't either. Yeah. You're well, you're like setting them off and there's all this pesticide and it's filling up the room with pesticide, but these insects and spiders aren't in the middle of the room where the pesticide is. They're hiding in wall void spaces or behind baseboards or whatever. So that's not where that pesticide's going. So yeah, I don't think that those things do much of anything. And then when you set it off and throw it in your attic, that's ventilated. It's just going right back out the outside. (laughs) So I always tell people don't waste your money on that stuff. The only reason I think they still sell them is because people still buy them, but they're not effective at all for anything I can imagine. So as we get closer to Halloween and you're thinking about kind of creepy crawly things, spiders are definitely more common in the fall. I think we notice them a little bit more. They make a lot of egg sacs out in our landscape, but not every spider you come across is going to be a bad guy. The only ones I would be uber concerned about are the widows and the recluses, but they have a purpose and a place in nature too. So if they're outside and you can ignore them, just let them go. Just don't try to pick them up and grab them and let them bite you because then you never know how you're going to react to that. So we'll catch you in another couple of weeks talking about another insect or arachnid, who knows what, that you might find in your landscape.